I'm a little bit sad. Today is our last Sunday in our epic series, and I've really enjoyed uh, talking about empowering people and inspiring change. Uh, One of the reasons that we wanted to take some time to talk about change in this epic series is because we've recognized that change is a necessary part of growing as a church. Change is a necessary part of growing as a believer in Jesus Christ. Change is a part of life. We've talked about how healthy things grow and growing things change. And if we expect God to continue to bless us and to use us for his glory, we expect that change will be a part of our lives together. But we also recognize that change is not easy. Change can be difficult. It can be fearful. We can want to turn around and go back to those places that were comfortable, even if they weren't all that healthy, because they're familiar. They give us a sense of control and stability. Change makes us feel a little bit out of control, and we're not sure what the future holds. And so we wanted to be able to take time to recognize that as we grow and as we change as a church and as we experience the the change in our lives, we need to learn to trust that God has us in the palm of his hand as we go through those difficult and sometimes challenging seasons of change. We need to trust in God's power to be able to lead us as followers of Jesus and as a faith community. And we need to allow the Spirit of God to set the pace of change. And we need to work with and help one another walk through this journey of change together. Last Sunday, Pastor Dick talked about how uh, being willing to stretch and allow God to use us in, in new ways can be a part of growth and change, and that sometimes it takes a little bit of a risk, like stepping out on a, a tightrope and crossing Niagara Falls. Uh, we, we had that great image uh, that challenges us to think about what are we willing to do with God and for God in ways that might stretch us and allow us to expand our capacity in Christ in ways that maybe we didn't think were possible before. As we wrap up the series today, I'd like to suggest that one of the things I think we are learning from Scripture again is that change is the new normal in Jesus Christ. Change is the new normal in Jesus Christ. Not change for change's sake, not the the latest technique or, or some trendy thing that we want to change because it's new and it's fancy and it's fun. Change for the purpose of discovering and fulfilling the very purpose of our lives and why we were created by God and redeemed by him in his son, Jesus Christ. Recognizing through Jesus' teaching in this series, we've talked about how the condition of the soil is what determines the outcome of the seed. Right? The condition of the soil is what determines the outcome of the seed. And so if we want to talk about growing to be healthy and missional as a church, we have to start with our own hearts and the soil of our own lives. And, and the question of, are we allowing the word of God to implant itself in our lives in such a way that it begins to produce fruit for God's kingdom? Another way to talk about that is we could say the culture of our church is determined by our readiness to receive the word of God. And the gospel message and allow it to transform us from the inside out. We've talked about how as we grow, the church grows because we are the church. Epic is really all about developing a culture of life transformation, a culture of healthy change so that all of us who are here and all those that God would bring to us can experience the positive transformation of their lives through the power of the word of God at work in their lives And the power of the Spirit present. Biblically, change is not something that happens once in a while 
or one and done, right? It's an ongoing, intentional process of being led by the Spirit through the sanctification of our lives, through the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ that he won for us on the cross. In every age, the Word of God is an agent of change in the lives of God's people. If you think about this idea of repentance, right? When we come to God, we're we're called to repent, to to turn around, to go in a new direction, to to change the direction of our very lives by coming back into relationship with God and being set on a new path with Jesus Christ. This idea of repentance, again, isn't a a one-and-done decision to, to accept Christ but then not change. It's an ongoing process of following Jesus as his disciples, and we cannot help but be changed and transformed along the way. It's entering into a lifestyle of ongoing change through the power of Christ at work in our lives. And finally, today, I like to suggest that we are therefore, as God's people, as the church, called to become change agents in the world. Reconciliation with God, the Bible tells us, brings about positive life change for those who are brought back into relationship with God. And as if we are God's ambassadors to the world around us, we too invite other people to come and experience the transformation of their lives by coming into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says it this way, because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf, the old is gone and the new has come. Because of what Christ has accomplished on the cross, the old has gone and the new has come. And that's where we're going to pick up the the biblical story today. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 14 through 21. It's on uh, page 1799 in the flat screens provided for you. We'll also have it on the the screen up here for you to read. Get my uh, change agent here. Verse 14 of chapter 5, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, change is the new normal. We cannot come to the living God, the the resurrected Christ, and not expect that our lives will not be changed and that we will not be on a trajectory of ongoing growth and change as we live in the presence and the power of his spirit. I love the way the New Living Translation uh, says, verse 17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
See, Paul's argument to the Corinthians here uh, is in the larger context that he says that coming to believe in God and the truth of God's word isn't about human eloquence being persuasive. It's about the presence and the power of the Spirit convicting us that, that what we are hearing and reading and, and studying and learning is true. It's the Spirit's conviction in us that the presence and the power of God is calling us to become more than we are today. Christ's love, which is for all people, is what compels Paul to live the way that he does. Paul's giving his life to the Corinthian church is an embodiment, an example of the lordship that he sees in Christ, who expressed in his own sovereignty a willingness to give his life for all people. See, Christ's love compels Paul for two reasons here. He says he's convinced that Christ's vicarious death, was, which was once and for all people, is the true definition of what it means to become right-minded about life in this world. It, it shifts our priorities upside down from the way that we're conditioned to think by life in this world. He chose to die in order to save us. That goes against all the things that our world tells us we should be living for. For the same reason, compelled by Christ's love, Paul considers the needs of God's people to be more important than his own needs and his own wants and his own preferences. So that he does whatever it takes to persuade as many people as he can to, to receive this gift of love from Jesus Christ. The second thing is that Christ's death for all brings about the death of all for whom he died. All people are put on a level playing field with God because none of us deserves this great gift but all of us are invited to receive it. So none of us has any claim on the grace of God or, or over one another. We are all humbled to, the, to come to Jesus at the foot of his cross and recognize that it only comes from God as his great gift. All those who died in Christ are identified as those who now live in him as well. There is a, there is a change that happens when we, we begin to die to our old self and we become alive to this new creation that God wants to, to, to grow in us, to grow out of us. We become something different than we were before when we allow the presence and the power of the Spirit to come into our heart and to transform us from the inside out. Those who have died with Christ to their old way of life under the power of sin are raised to new life under the power of the presence of God's Spirit. So to love like Christ because of Christ's love for us is to consider the spiritual growth and the benefit of others more important than our own spiritual experiences and the things that, that we think are going to make us happy. To live for Christ is to live like Christ. And what transforms the believer is the reality of Christ's love for us and in us. And it's the very gift that we have to give away to one another in God's name. Essentially, Paul is saying this is the gospel in a nutshell. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. The love of Christ motivated Paul to consider others' needs for the gospel more important than his own comfort, his own preferences, even some of his own religious background. If you know the story of Paul, he was one of the greatest persecutors of the church, right? But he stands as a living testimony of how the Spirit of God can transform a human heart and take one of the greatest enemies of the church and make it into one of its greatest proponents. The long-awaited restoration of God's people is now beginning to take place through this new entity called the church. This community of faith that is called out and gathered by the Spirit of God to embody this life in Christ, compelled and empowered by the love of Christ to become the very righteousness of God. Now, Paul also recognized that 
we can't do this in our own strength. It's not because of how great we are or how much we have it all together that we get to experience this amazing calling to be a part of the church. The cross of Christ is our reminder that Jesus' gift to us meets us at the point of our most ultimate need, the place of our own sinful brokenness, the place where we have to recognize that day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, we continue to need the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God to be able to live into and live out this calling that he's given us. On the cross, Christ takes on our sin, and because of the cross, we take on God's righteousness. A new way of living begins to emerge in life as a new creation that Christ's death makes possible. And on the basis of that death, we are declared righteous in God's eyes, both now and at the end of time. And that righteousness begins to be seen now in God's commitment to transform and reconcile his people into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Reconciled people live reconciled, and I would say reconciling lives. As a result of Jesus' death, all those who are in Christ are a part of this new creation, and we get to live with God and one another in reconciled relationships, and we get to help other people be reconciled to God as well. Dying with Christ leads to living for others as an expression of this new life in Christ. If you think about baptism, when we uh, put people under the water, and we bring them back out again. We, we, we have a phrase that we say, you have died with Christ, and you have been raised to newness of life. See, when we, when we go under the waters of baptism, and we're brought back up, and, and we're born into this new life in Christ, change becomes the new normal. We are accepting the fact that we are broken and sinful on our own, but because of the power of God that is available through his spirit, because of what Jesus has done, we now have the ability to become change agents in the world because we are being changed from the inside out by the power of God in our life. This is the new perspective from which Paul views all of humanity He doesn't look at humanity anymore because of what we are in our sin, but he sees what we can be because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And even Christ must no longer be viewed from a worldly perspective, he says, as as just a man who hung on a tree and died because he has been raised to new life and because he is sitting in heaven in glory. We have this confidence that this hope, this new life, this gift from God is real and effective. All this doesn't come from ourselves, Paul says. It comes from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and therefore gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, what Paul is helping us to recognize is that whether we choose to be a part of it or not, God is at work in the world reconciling people to himself. And he simply invites us to join him in the work that he is already doing. Not as a hobby, (laughs) but as our very life calling. That's why one of the things that we talk about in our orientation class, when we talk about church membership, church membership isn't like taking a gym membership, you know, where you can kind of choose to go when you want and you you pay your dues and get your benefits. No, becoming a member of a church is much more like becoming a covenant partner. It's it's becoming like a a business owner. You you become responsible to to help the success of the organization. Or, Or I really think of it more like, You become a family member, right? It's like being part of a family. 
You have responsibilities and you have uh, the ability to care for and nurture those who are part of the family as well. See, the church becomes a communion or a fellowship of believers that's characterized by mutual participation in this new life in Christ. And when we experience that new life in and through our relationships with one another, what we discover is the power of the Spirit to, to work on our hearts and our lives transforms us in community so that we become a light in the darkness. We become a community that is able to bring other people into reconciliation with God as they experience our life together. See, the church is a gathered community that is called out and set apart to be part of Christ's mission to the world. As Christ's representative in the world, we are called to be agents of change, to transform people's lives through the power of the Spirit by sharing our own testimonies and helping others to see how Jesus is alive and at work in our lives. We begin this ministry of reconciliation in our own relationships with one another here. One of the things that we're looking at on this vitality pathway that we're walking as a church is developing what we're calling a relational covenant. And we'll be sharing that with you all pretty soon. In the new year, we're going to be talking about how do we come together and and set clear expectations for what it looks like to be in healthy relationship with one another. How do we learn to, to make sure that we can always walk hand in hand even when we don't see eye to eye? Because disagreements are going to happen. We all have different perspectives and preferences, and, and it's hard to work out relationships as human beings, isn't it? And churches are notorious for getting it wrong, too. So we want to be clear that as we grow as a church, we want to do it in healthy ways. We need to be people who are really good at living reconciled lives with one another so that as we share our testimony and our life with those around us, they see the power of God at work in us to overcome our faults and our differences. All Christians are called to proclaim the good news with their lives and their words, but also by the love and the integrity of their faith communities. The church as a kingdom community is committed to reaching across worldly boundaries of race and ethnicity, culture and gender, age and economic status, and the cultivation of communities that are of life and service and growth and transformation. In Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. Change is the new normal. The question for us, I think, is are we willing to allow the love of Christ for you and for me, the love of Christ for us, to compel us to be willing to allow the word of God to change our hearts and to open our minds to the mission and the ministry that God would call us to? We believe that it's necessary to experience what Jesus told Nicodemus was a new birth, right? When the new creation comes, when we accept Jesus, we, we say we are, we're born anew. See, new birth in Christ is more than the experience of just uh, receiving forgiveness and accepting it and being done. It's a regeneration. It's a gift of eternal life that, that begins now. And this life has the qualities of love and righteousness and joy and peace. And to enter the kingdom of God through Christ is not only to have a right relationship with God, but it's to be enlisted in Christ's service to carry out his mission in the world. That's why we've been saying we want to be both healthy and missional. By healthy, we mean pursuing Christ, going deeper in Christ in our own relationships. And by missional, we mean pursuing Christ's priorities in the world, going further in mission, on, on, on mission with Jesus, because that's why the church exists. 
We are called together as God's people to be sent out on mission with Jesus to share the good news message with all those who don't yet know God. And the way that we live together in community is part of our greatest testimony to the world out there that the love of God is real and that because of that, we can choose to love one another well as well. We want to be a church that empowers people and inspires change. One of the things that we've been saying is that at, at Faith Covenant Church, making disciples in, isn't one of the things that we do. It's the one thing that we do. Because all of life in the church is about making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we need to be a church that is willing to empower people to experience change, to, to grow in their faith, and to support one another on this journey of faith. The ongoing spiritual growth and transformation of God's people into the image of his son, Jesus, is our great commission. We want to go deeper in Christ and further in mission. I don't know what God has been saying to you through this series, but I know that change is hard and it's difficult. And sometimes we even are willing to say we want change, but then to follow through on the change can be difficult. And if you've been struggling at all as we've been talking about change, I would just like to encourage you, don't, don't hold that to yourself. Don't sit silently on that. This is our opportunity to, to talk to one another, to, to share our fears, to, to talk about our anxieties, to listen to one another. That's a part of being a healthy and missional community. And so a part of this whole epic series has been to encourage us to recognize that change is going to happen whether we want it to or not. It's a part of life. But we can navigate change in healthy ways by coming together as a community and caring for one another with sensitivity and with love. The power and the love of Christ is what compels us to live this life that he's called us to live. Would you pray with me?